from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Monday, June 15th, 2020, was a hard day for Paul Whelan's family. Uh, my brother has just been convicted of uh, espionage in a Russian court and sentenced to 16 years in a harsh regimen camp. Paul's twin brother, David, says he was set up. Uh, it was a corrupt law enforcement officer who didn't want to pay Paul back a debt that he owed him of about $1,400. Whalen was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But now that the trial and the sentence are done, there's no way that Paul Whalen can do 16 years of hard labor because of health issues and a recent surgery for a hernia. Well, he his hernia strangulated two weeks ago and he had emergency surgery. He has some other uh, health conditions um, from when he served uh, in, the, in the Marines in Iraq. And uh, as, as you say, I don't think that he is in any condition um, to survive 16 years in a Russian labor camp. Their only hope now is the U.S. government, which has been silent so far. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. American Paul Whelan was in Moscow in December of 2018 for the wedding of a friend when he was arrested. During his time there, he was allegedly given a thumb drive in a hotel room containing what he thought were photos of Russian churches, but actually, again, allegedly, that thumb drive contained state secrets. His lawyer said he was taken into custody before he even had a chance to look at the thumb drive. Bottom line, according to Whelan's lawyer and his family, he was set up. After an extended period of time, he was charged with espionage. After 535 days in custody and a show trial, he was sentenced this week to 15 years of hard labor in a Russian prison camp. We've spoken to his family members numerous times during this ordeal, and we spoke again with Paul Whelan's twin brother, David, this week. Okay, you're having a bit of a hard morning. Tell us why. Uh, my brother has just been convicted of uh, espionage in a Russian court and sentenced to 16 years in a harsh regimen camp. And uh, remind us how he got there. He... Uh, was in Moscow in December 2018 for a wedding for a fellow former Marine. And uh, he was entrapped by a Russian friend uh, who works for the FSB and uh, has spent the last 18 months attempting to uh, prove his innocence. And um, the trial just ended this morning. What's the next step? Well, the next step uh, is that Paul will have to figure out how to uh, appeal his uh, sentence, if it, that's what he decides to do, and to seek clemency from President Putin in case he can uh, attain a pardon. Um, but the conviction really is the last procedural obstacle that has stopped the Russian government from talking to the U.S. government about finding some sort of form of release for Paul. So we are hoping 
now that the Trump administration, who has not yet engaged in a diplomatic effort for Paul, uh, will now do so. Now, I read uh, what you said a bit earlier this morning. You said the the court decision completely uh, completes the final piece of, of, of this broken judicial process. And tell us what you found during this process that, that, that's led you to that conclusion. Well, I think based on what Paul says uh, was the rationale behind his friend and trapping him in the first place, uh, it was a corrupt law enforcement officer who didn't want to pay Paul back a debt that he owed him of about $1,400. So that was the first step. And then we had a, an investigator in the FSB who spent nine months, uh, quote unquote, investigating and finding evidence, uh, even though uh, the Russian authorities said that Paul was caught red handed. And you would think, well, if he was caught red handed, they, ha- they must have had the evidence right there. But apparently they didn't. Um, and then he wasn't allowed to put on a defense. He wasn't allowed to have the information uh, provided to him in, in, in English. He doesn't speak Russian or read it. Uh, and then the evidence that he provided to show that he wasn't a, a colonel in a U.S. intelligence agency um, was also not uh, allowed because it was not translated into Russian, uh, and the court would not do that. Uh, even today, when the sentence was read, uh, Paul didn't understand any of it because it was entirely in Russian. Uh, do you have any sense then of, of 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 what he knows or what he understood? Obviously, I guess if he didn't wasn't released immediately, he probably has to have some idea that um, things didn't go well today. But uh, how much do you think he understood of what took place? I think he probably understands now. He has one uh, English-speaking lawyer on his uh, team. The lead lawyer does not speak any English, but I think that they probably had some time with him afterwards and were able to explain to him what the uh, what the decision of the court was. He was expecting, I'm sure, that he would be convicted and also uh, that the sentence would be pretty harsh because that's what the prosecution had asked for. And so far, our experience with the Russian judicial system is that uh, the judges are not there to be independent. They are there to rubber stamp the government's decisions. And so that's what we've got today. You said you'll continue to fight. Uh, What will you do next? Well, uh, we will uh, continue to rely on David Urban, who is a lobbyist who has been uh, working on Paul's case. He can have conversations inside the White House with people that our family can't. uh, And we hope that those will bear fruit. Uh, we will continue to work with uh, members of Congress uh, and uh, staff inside the State Department um, to uh, focus uh, their attention and uh, and maybe amplify their support for Paul so that his freedom becomes a priority. Uh, because it really there, there really is no excuse now for uh, the governments not to find a solution. And indeed, you've you've also said on numerous occasions, and you reiterated it again this morning in, in your note that you put out that you look to the U.S. government to immediately take steps to bring Paul home. Um, what do you think is the reason why they haven't so far? I really think that they haven't so far because the Russian government has not been willing to listen to any discussion. Uh, and they, the Russian foreign ministry has stated that in, in the Russian media, that until Paul was convicted, that they wouldn't have discussions about his release, even though in those same media reports, they listed the things that they would want to exchange or to um, extract from the U.S., uh, whether it was diploma- access to their diplomatic properties in, the, in New York and Maryland, whether it was um, uh, getting convicts like Victor Boot released. Uh, so we, we've known that that was their plan, and we also knew that the conviction was an obstacle. So now that there is no conviction, really, there are no procedural obstacles. And, and so immediately may not be today. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure it's not even this week. But uh, there's really there are no more obstacles. There are no more excuses for not uh, taking action to help Paul. 
You know, uh, they have said in their in, in their sentence they were sentencing him to fifteen or sixteen years hard labor. He can't do that because first, you know, he's got underlying health conditions, but you know, he's got a very serious physical situation that would prevent him from doing anything like that right now. So, what do you? Th- first of all, explain what that situation is, and what do you think uh, will happen in the interim? Well, he his hernia strangulated two weeks ago, and he had emergency surgery. He has some other uh, health conditions um, from when he served uh, in the in the Marines in Iraq, and uh, as as you say, I don't think that he is in any condition um, to survive 16 years in a Russian labor camp. Um, so, really, our only hope for his survival, and frankly, for him to be able to see our parents again—they're uh, both in their 80s—is uh, for him to be released soon. David, the family has gone through a lot. I've tried to keep up with as much as I could since this took place in December of 2018. But obviously, it's, you know, impossible to see what goes on when when, when, when the cameras are, are not uh, capturing images, when the microphones are shut down, you know, when you're away from uh, the public eye, and, and that's most of the time, uh, you know, alone, when things are going on just between you and yourself and your family. So how how are you? How is the family? Well, today's a hard day. Um, I think in general, we are, we are like any family, perhaps our ups and our downs are amplified because of Paul's situation. Although, I mean, there are many people who have, uh, loved ones who are incarcerated. Um, I think that we tend to focus on the work that needs to be done. And there's a lot of work. Uh, there's always, uh, another journalist to speak to in my case, since I'm handling the media, um, another contact for my sister to have with, uh, people in the government, um, and for my other brother. Uh, to work with the different embassies that he has been working with in Moscow. So, I mean, I think we all rely on our work to, you know, do that one next step to see if we can get Paul freed, and uh, and that helps us to get through what is a it's a very hard time. Well, I'm hoping you don't lose hope, but I have to ask: Have you ever gotten to a moment where it's been running low? Well, yeah, sometimes the hope is challenged, but it's always there. I mean, it is it's a it's a light that that always flickers and. I think some days you just think, really, do we <laughs> do we have to face this as well? Uh, and then you just you move past it and you move on because that's really all it is. It's it's a slog. Uh, it's a war. It's not a battle. And sometimes you lose battles, um, but you stay focused on your goal. And, and the goal really is to get Paul released. And however that happens and whoever helps it to happen, I don't care so long as we get to that final goal and Paul's released. And, and we'll continue to slog until we get there. You know, early in this process, I think we talked a couple of times about the Maria Butina situation. And, you know, she's been released and uh, is who knows where and doing who knows what. But um, there was some sense that Paul was a pawn in that, in that case. Do you think that that was a, a part of this situation? We know that uh, his uh, alleged friend who turned out, you know, the guy obviously wasn't a friend. Um, turned out to uh, be uh, to entrap him because of that uh, uh, $1,500 debt. But do you, do you think there was a deeper thing going on here, or was it just that? I tend to think it was just that, but you never really know. Um, it's it's hard to know what to trust out of the uh, the Russian system. I saw a quote this morning. Um, Paul's lawyer, Mr. Sherebenkov, was uh, speaking to media after this morning's sentencing. Uh, on the courthouse steps. And he said that Paul had been told from the very first weekend that he had been arrested, that he was going to be kept uh, to exchange for Victor Boot, the convicted arms dealer uh, who helped uh, sell arms to FARC in Colombia. Uh, 
So, uh, I mean, it's really hard to know if there has always been a, a deeper uh, focus or if really, as I've often thought, it was really just police corruption, uh, where Paul's friend uh, didn't want to pay a debt, wanted to get a promotion, sold Paul out for that. And the Russians have taken advantage of it and uh, put him in their exchange fund. Have you learned anything uh, from this process that will be beneficial to you and your family and perhaps to others uh, moving forward uh, after this uh, after this is resolved? Well, obviously, my uh, siblings and I have new skills that we didn't have before, uh, whether it's dealing with media or government or, or what have you. Um, I think we all hope that other families who are in our situations, and there are many, there are other Americans being held by Russia. There are Americans being held in Saudi Arabia, in Egypt, in Iran. Um, all of those families are going through the same thing. And we don't all have the resources to do it. And so I think that all of us in, in the Whelan family feel like uh, we may be able to share some of our experiences with those unfortunate families. I mean, no one wants their family to be in the group that we're in, but um, we all tend to uh, to share our knowledge and uh, and help each other where we can. Is there anything above all that has been your biggest takeaway from all of this, from Paul being arrested to uh, him being held unlawfully to the sham trial, the show trial or whatever, to the rush, learning what you've learned about the Russian system, to learning what you've learned about yourself, about Paul, about you know life under these circumstances that um, you would like to share? It's just such a missed opportunity. The Russian people are good people, just like the American people are good people. And the inability for nations, whether it's America and Russia or America and Iran or America and wherever, to be able to get along in a way that the people of those countries can go and see the culture of this other country or go and understand um, safely the uh, culture and the people in, in different parts of the world it's very sad. I mean, my family no longer would plan to go to Russia, even though 24 months ago, we were discussing exactly that thing, that wouldn't it be great to go and see the many wonderful things, the churches, the buildings, the, the landscape of Russia. Um, and now that's not possible because governments like the Russian Federation, like the uh, Republic of Iran, uh, make it so that you risk your very life to go to their country even though your only goal is to understand their people and their culture better. You know, this strikes a chord with me because a number of us have thought the same exact thought, David. Uh, and that is what a wonderful place it is. We all know some wonderful people that have come from there. But it's unfortunate that that splendor and beauty and all of those positive things have been overshadowed by something like this. Is there something you'd like to add it's just my hope that for all of the people who leave their country and carry a passport, that the governments who are supposed to protect them will do so. And so I hope that we will soon see the Trump administration take steps to bring Paul home. That interview with David Whelan took place on Monday, June 15th at about 6 a.m. Of course, things were still very raw for David. As you could hear, his voice cracked a little there at the end, but why wouldn't it under those circumstances? I can honestly say, talking to him, it was not clear what they would do next. They had been asking the U.S. government for help for more than 18 months with no success. But on Monday, something remarkable happened. 
David, it's two days later, Wednesday, June 17th. You learned Monday that your brother has been sentenced to 16 years hard labor and in a Russian prison camp. That was a hard day. So it's two days later. Where do you stand now? Well, I think our family has absorbed the news and uh, is, is heartened. I mean, just really grateful for the uniform support that came out of the U.S. government on Monday and since then uh, from uh, the House uh, Committee on Foreign Affairs, the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations, Secretary Pompeo, National Security Advisor O'Brien, uh, just all over the place. There's been this unified support, not only that this was a mockery of justice, as Ambassador Sullivan said on the courthouse steps, but really that Paul deserved justice, and justice in this case was freedom. And so while the Russian Federation in the last few days has started to try and turn this into a transaction of trades and exchanges, and there's been a lot of press about that, uh, we have appreciated and support the U.S. position, which is Paul deserves his freedom. This is not a transaction. This is about fairness and justice. Did you expect that from the U.S. government after such a long period of silence? Because as you've already said, they really weren't doing much of anything. No, uh, I, we were floored, absolutely floored. I mean, it was just like every time you turned around and looked at uh, social media, there was another another person, Senator Menendez, Senator Rubio, Senator Shaheen. Uh, the Michigan delegation put out a statement. Uh, we've seen the Helsinki Commission today. I mean, it's just been it's just been so overwhelmingly supportive. And and finally, we saw statements from the UK Foreign Office and from the Canadian. Uh, global affairs unit. So uh, it really has been an overwhelming sense of support, which is that I think everybody realizes that with that conviction out of the way, now something else can happen. Now the governments can really uh, do the diplomatic and political steps that are needed for Paul to be released. Well, we reached out to Mr. David Urban, uh, whom we spoke to you about. We haven't heard back from him yet, but um, do you get the sense, uh, get any sense of what is happening perhaps behind the scenes to help free your brother? No. And I mean, and, and that's been a consistent where we have been able to speak to people in the State Department or uh, Department of Justice and so on. Um, but we don't necessarily hear about the activity or the operational uh, steps. And in, in a sense, Mr. Urban's volunteering to lobby on Paul's behalf, to to advocate on, on his behalf within the White House was important because he can really have conversations and discussions that our family can't have. He has those relationships um, as a, a former classmate of uh, Secretary Esper and Secretary Pompeo. Um, so so um, we don't we, we are at arm's length about what what might or might not be happening. But we are confident, particularly after the outpouring of support on Monday, that something will happen. Do you have any idea, though, what might happen? Because would it would it would it be uh, a change of heart by the Russians and they'd simply let Paul go, or would it be a trade? Uh, what what do you think might be the the most likely scenario? I I really don't know, and and uh, I've been asked this question a number of times, as you can imagine. Um, Part, partly because I don't really know what concrete steps governments take in order to make this happen. I've just watched this from the outside like everybody else does. So there could be a conciliatory approach where, as you say, the Russian Federation, as they did with uh, American citizen Edmund Pope, just let Paul go uh, without any even any any pretense of there being some sort of uh, exchange or uh, um, equivalence to it. 
uh, it could be that there is some sort of uh, an exchange of, of value, as, a, as it were, where you take a tourist out of a Russian prison and then perhaps you give access to diplomatic properties in Long Island and Maryland. Um, or frankly, and I'd support this just as equally, uh, sanctions. Uh, there are the Magnitsky sanctions that could be placed against Russians. There are other uh, tools that I understand could be used to uh, impact um, the Russian position. So um, I, I, our family is supportive of any of those so long as the outcome is is released. And we don't really have any expertise to know uh, what is most likely in this situation. Mm. Is there any sense at all, have you seen any uh, movement from the Russian government uh, uh, that suggests anything positive? Uh, have you seen anything like that since any of this took place in the last couple of days? Not really. Um, there has been a lot of, of chatter on the Russian side and the Russian media quoting Russian uh, officials and then also Deputy Foreign Minister Ryabkov spoke and talked about, you know, wanting to get uh, Russian convicts returned um, from U.S. prisons to Russia, um, but nothing concrete, and and frankly, nothing uh, that was new during Paul's um, imprisonment, uh, and nothing new since before Paul's imprisonment. It's the same names, it's the same approach. Uh, so I, I don't really put any stock in it. I think if anything's going to happen, even from the Russian side, it will happen uh, in the background. Well, David. Um Two days have passed, and as I've mentioned to you before, we will stay on this and stay with this story. And we'll check in with you again, and hopefully things do make the turn that you think they seem to be making. So um, good luck with that. Thanks so much, JJ. I really appreciate you staying on the story. That's it for this episode. We'll be back with another next week. Remember, whether it's terrorists, anarchists, cyber criminals, or nation-states, America has a target on its back. Our objective is to investigate the threats facing the U.S., the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and their impact on Americans. If you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. Also, if you want more national security news, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.